y'all. Welcome to Book World, The Great Escape. I'm author CJ Peterson. My co-host over here is author Michael Scott Clifton. Today we're going to be talking about to use or not to use extraneous words. Before we get there, Mike, how was your week? That was, it was going pretty good. Uh, I think we were talking a little bit earlier. We've had some unusually spring-like weather, warm weather here. And, uh, and so I've been out in the yard working. Uh, gardening is one of my hobbies. I've uh, planted uh, onions and uh, potatoes, and uh, I, tr I planted some pepper seeds um, from New Mexico, and hatch chili is a big deal, and so there's not hatch chili around here in East Texas. So I ordered some seeds and planted those, and hopefully they'll be up in time for me to transplant sometime in late spring. And so I, I, I like working outside, like working in the yard. And again, as we were also talking about before the uh, podcast started, don't like the pollen and the sneezing and the watery eyes uh, that comes with the uh, opening of spring or early spring. And uh, so my wife and I, we've been kind of battling that and sneezing. And uh, also, for those who've, who uh, may or may not have been watching the, the podcast all these uh, years that we've been doing it, my background is a public educator. Uh, I was a teacher, a coach and a, a principal for 38 years, all at the same school district, Chapel Hill, which is in uh, East Texas, deep East Texas, Northeast Texas. And uh, was at an exciting game last night. Our boys basketball team uh, defeated Hooks in overtime. And we are going to the regional tournament, which will be in Prosper in, uh, in, uh, in Dallas, North Dallas, or yeah, Prosper in Dallas. And it'll be our first time in, uh, in a while. And so very exciting, very exciting game to attend as a former basketball coach. I enjoyed being able to watch it and not having to be sitting on the uh, bench with, uh, you know, on pins and needles, especially in an overtime game. So yeah. we will... since you brought that up, we will not be having book roll next week because of yeah. that. So right. no book roll next week. Um, I'll tell you all later who is going to be the guest when we come back on the 13th. The state basketball, the state basketball tournament here in uh, Texas is next week. It's always the second weekend of March, and it's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I've attended every single state basketball tournament except the COVID year since 1988. So wow. don't break that streak. Which, with all with with apologies to people who watch our podcast and CJ, that's why we're we're not having book world next Wednesday. That's anyway. okay. Yep. Julie Brock says hi. Hi, Julie. Hello. Um, so for us, um, oh, are you going to be going to Chautauqua Festival in Longview Public Library in April? Have not it? have not decided yet. We've not had that. They, they do a great job putting it on. The weather is so dicey. Um, mm -hmm. It's usually early, middle April. And the few times we've been, of course, CJ, you know this because you were there as well. The wind was howling. Yep. And uh, it's outside. You've got a pavilion. It's hard to even keep your books on the table from blowing over. So anyway. I, no, I'm going to own the fact that I actually figured out how to do it. <laughs> and last year, everybody's books were flying but mine. I'm proud of myself. I'm allowed to be. And and a quick pitch. We will be actually, uh, you mentioned that we are going to actually, we are going to be uh, having the Longview Public Librarian uh, the head librarian of the Longview Public Library as a guest here on Book World uh, in May, isn't it? In yep. May. Yep. So stay tuned. Definitely. 
Um, so sad news for those who are going to be going to come at Conroe. I will not be there, but just make sure to go and have tons of fun. Uh, it's March 8th, 9th, and 10th in the long at the Longview Convention Center in Conroe, Texas. Um, but I will be going to the East Texas Comic Con. That's the first weekend in May. I believe it's the 4th and the 5th. Um, so if you're in the East Texas area, make sure to, it's Upper Longview area, make sure to look that up on Facebook, East Texas Comic Con, and you can find out exactly where that is and when it is. Um, so yeah, I will be there. there as well. So, yep. yeah. Yep. Mike will have a table. I'll be one of the ones running around on the floor like I normally do. So, you know, the fun job. I get to enjoy it. Um, so, extraneous words. So, let's see, how do you explain it? <laughs> One thing to consider is this. Sometimes if an editor goes through your book and literally can take out a paragraph or two, you're using extraneous words. One of the best ways I have found to fight that, and we'll kind of go off from that, is writing short stories. So if, if you feel like you've got too much fluff, which is pretty much what it is, Write a short story, because if you can write a short story within 3,500 to 7,500 words, you're going to learn to say more with less. So that when you go back to writing your books, you're not going to fill it with fluff. You're going to fill it with, you know, good, meaty content, which is what your reader wants. It's, uh, it's ex you know, extraneous by definition means you're using too many words or words that, um, uh, that don't really add to the content and what you're writing. And I have to say that probably the most difficult decisions to make as a writer, as an author, is how much is too much and how much is too little. And uh, extraneous writing can really uh, slow down and damage a, um, an author's work because if you think of writing if you think of writing like driving on a highway and your readers are the driver and they're in a car and every time you come to a, a, uh, a road bump and you have to slow down and go over the road bump, you know, it interferes with the smooth driving of your car. And the same is true when you use extraneous words and dialogue. Uh, it's, and it's actually... I was gonna say, it's actually also true when you use words that are too big right? because you want it to be an easy enough read. I had one author tell me, well, I use big words because I want my readers to look them up. Well, that's a great idea in theory, but they have to stop reading your book to go look it up and you don't want them to stop reading. I think it depends too on the genre you're in, mm -hmm. the scene that you're describing, the type of characters that you have. If you have if you have a brainiac scientist, that person's not going to speak in uh, you know in, um, in in slang and things like that. Like that, they may they may use technical terms more often. But you uh, can have somebody in there to translate it, right? If you're crafty yeah. enough, so they don't have to go look it up. So you can have like an assistant who has an assistant, and right. they can say, well. <laughs> translated brainiac version is blah 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 you know what yeah. he really means is this then you can kind of roll their eyes and make it sarcastic there are ways around that 
But if you're just using a word to quote unquote teach your audience or teach your readers a new word for each book, then that's not cool. It makes them stop. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many different, um, there's so many different ways that when you write, when we write as authors, that you can have, again, too much use of words, extraneous matter or material. And I mean, we could talk for probably several, four or five or six podcasts, you know, and go down different rabbit holes concerning, you know, you know, extraneous writing. But take, for example, dialogue tags. OK, um, if you're having a back and forth conversation between two characters, you don't need a dialogue tag after the after the comments or dialogue of each character, one back to the other. Like Max said, where are you going tonight? I think I'm going to go to the newest steak place, uh, Tanya answered. Well, we know it's Tanya that's replying because there's only two characters involved in the dialogue. Mm -hmm. There's no need to have dialogue tags when the reader knows and you you know who's who the characters are and you have to give them some credit to be able to follow the back and forth conversation now if you get three or four different characters that may be part of a dialogue that you have going in your in your characters then you may need to change that but i mean that's just and that slows down the um the flow of the the you know the back and forth between two different characters when you when you stick in dialogue tags that have, that aren't necessary. And um, so that's, I mean, that's a small thing, but it does stop your reader every time they've got to come to that dialogue tag. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know some writers who are obsessed with word count. They're like, well, I wrote this many words today. I wrote that many words today. I wrote this oh, many yeah. words today. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, but how many of those are words that actually add to your story? Right. You know, don't be obsessed with the word count. Be obsessed with how your story is going and the route that it's going. And make sure that you don't have too much, you know, cut out the extra fluff that's in there. As you said, you don't have to do the dialogue tags. And I do it like you usually every page somewhere in there, if it's between two people, if the conversation's that long. And I don't even actually just always do so-and-so said, I might do she leaned over because it's a he and a she. She leaned over and whispered, blah, blah, blah. You know, to make sure that nobody else in the room heard them or whatever. And so sometimes doing those on the in-between, you don't even necessarily need to identify who said. or No, you can actually, you can, as you were saying, you can actually just um, describe an act, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, Sheila picked up the phone and then says this or that. If it's important to the story or if it logically follows that there's something going on where you don't even have to use a dialogue tag. Uh, another thing that I have as, as part of a critique group that I've been doing now for a number of years, um, some of the common things I come up, I come across even from experienced authors and, and I include myself in this, okay, making this, this the same kind of mistakes is writing sentences that are too long mm -hmm. uh, that start that look their paragraph length or their uh, you know their half a paragraph um, now, I have actually seen that literally a paragraph long sentence 
I'm like, dude, that is like the run-on of all run-ons. That's like the king of kings when it comes to run-ons right there. And I think that's a form of extraneous writing simply because while the content by the word count that you were mentioning may not be any more, but you're packing it all in one sentence. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and if, listen, if you got to take, if you got to take more than one breath to read something out loud, the sentence is probably too long. Mm -hmm. uh, and I see that as a common mistake. It, the opposite of that is having short sentences that are fragmented where you, you, you write three word, three or four sentence, three or four words, chop it, three or four more words, chop it. I mean, it, it's, there, there's a happy go-between, you know, where there's too, too, too short or too long or where you need a longer sentence and where you need a, a brief sentence. And I think that's another mistake that we as writers often make is having sentences that are too long. I've actually seen it where they're like one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, one sentence, and the sentence only has one or two words. <laughs> that's like basically um, tapping on somebody's skull because they have to. So there's there's a flow and there's a rhythm to writing. And if you mess up that flow one direction or the other, or you make them stop to figure something out, or yeah, it you're going to jar your reader and you don't want to do that. You want them to be happy to pick up your book, not go, oh, no, what am I going to run into now? I have to finish this book because I started it, but do I really want to finish it? Because that does happen. I've run into that in some of the books that I've read, and it's it's painful because the storyline premise is good, but there's just so much that you have to wade through to get to the meat of the story. The, the word the, the word crisp comes to mind mm -hmm. when you're referring to powerful writing. Is it crisp? Uh, and 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 that is something I think when you write too much or you use words out of place or you use you know 25 words to describe a scene that should take a maybe a half dozen to a dozen words and one thing you mentioned which was a really good point cj about um, a lot of authors are obsessed with word count uh, <clears throat> may have to do with the genre they're writing in you know they've got a target of so many words, 50, 60, 100,000 word count for whatever they're writing. And of course, um, you know, I write primarily fantasy science fiction. You'd write, a, you're multi-genre, but you write a lot of fantasy. And we know that fantasy is the worst, the absolute worst genre of of too much uh, and, 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 and having extraneous verbiage uh, because World building is is a huge part of, of fantasy. We we you know if you've watched the show, we we we've discussed that before. It's a big part of, of fantasy. Uh, but the same rules that you would use to apply to what's good writing in historical fiction, in romance, in um, you know, thrillers, mm -hmm. they're the same in fantasy. You don't just toss them out because, oh, I've got to do some world building here. Um, I think myself, I started writing fantasy because I was, I was, I was too fatigued writing modern fantasy that had five, six, 800 pages in one book 
word counts that range from 200, 300, 400, 500,000 words. I mean, it's just like running a marathon. I, you just never reach the end of the book. Well, and here's the thing is it's quality over quantity. Yes, exactly. You can have your reach a certain level of word count, but what is the quality of that word count? So like I said before, is if you find yourself rereading your own book and it's taking you for a while and you start to feel that drag in your book, write a short story, then go back and do your book and go, okay, can I cut stuff off here and maybe add more substance to the storyline here instead? And you're you're exactly right. Writing short stories, but my personally, I hate writing short stories. I don't like to. I've been, I've written a number of short stories. I've been in a number of short story contests and stuff, mm -hmm. and I've never enjoyed the, uh, the process because I don't like to write short stories. Mm -hmm. But the point you made about it does help you uh, with 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 being too extraneous, having using too many words, you know, to describe what should have taken less. Because short stories force you to parse your words. You're telling a story, but you have a narrow window or parameters in which to tell it. So you have to use more powerful words and in a shorter in a in a, in a shorter situation that tell the same story. Uh, Without, you know, like you do in world building fantasy where you've got hundreds of thousands of yeah. word counts. Uh, yeah, but just I mean, the deal, the deal is this is as authors, we are made of words. We like to write words. We like to put them together into stories. So, yeah, sometimes writing short stories are a pain in the behind, but it makes us sharper. Um, take it as a challenge. Challenge yourself to write a short story. Challenge yourself to write a story in another genre. Um, that's what started my track down multi-genre is, you know, can I do this? Can, can I do this in, a, in another way? Uh, George Dismukes says, hi. Hi, George. Um, it's like, can you write this story in another genre? Or can you write it in a short story? And like I said, then when you go to actually read your book, you're going to actually feel and see because you can feel the rhythm. You're going to feel yourself slowing down. You can see where, oh my gosh, that's too much fluff or that's too much setting or that's too much this or too much that. Can I put it, kind of sprinkle it throughout as opposed to all at once? Can I move it around? What else can I do to this to make it more meat versus fluff? Quality versus quantity. Right. And there's, um, you can do a, a Google search. There are many short story contests and paid uh, publications that, that are looking for short stories. And uh, it would be an excellent practice to try to, you know, uh, write short stories and uh, enter contests and, and, and uh, send your work in to, like I said, paid publications. And that's really, that's a really good suggestion cj in terms of writing short stories because it does force you to parse your words mm -hmm. and we've, we've talked before to made this same comment if you can say in a paragraph uh what it took someone else to say in a full page or if you can say in a sentence what it took somebody else to say in a full paragraph then that's powerful writing um uh, mm -hmm. you know and uh and and of course, this is we could talk about this as far as a topic for another time and podcast. But you also um, 
I guess with extraneous writing, you have to decide what is too much description and what is too little. And uh, I like more description, but I don't like extraneous description. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we live in a day and time where, particularly with younger readers, uh, and by younger, I'm not necessarily talking about teenagers. I'm talking about millennials, you know, all of that, you know, the, the, from 20-somethings on up. Um, they don't have a long ex, uh, attention span. Uh, just look how they, we communicate with each other with abbreviations and emojis and things mm -hmm. like that. They're not going to read a book where you've got one full page describing the way a, book, a room looks. Just mm -hmm. not going to do it. It's it's don't have attention span that long. So that's something else to consider when you when you're trying to decide what's extraneous and what's practical in writing. Well, or can you sprinkle it through the course? Don't do it all at one gulp. No info dump. Do it, yeah. yeah, do don't dump at all. Just do a little bit at a time and kind of do the whole show don't tell. Because if you dump, then you're you're telling, you're not showing. If you're letting them experience it with the characters, then you're showing. Right. And if you can do that, and like I said, if you can cut out all of the fluff, the extraneous words that you've got in there, think of how much more substance you can add to that. A movie is usually up here. We've seen movies that have been converted from books. Books are like deep down. There's a lot more riches to them than actual movies. But imagine... A book with a lot of fluff is kind of that halfway in between where if you cut a lot of that fluff out, you can add so much more depth to your book and to the storyline that you yeah. can just dive in so much deeper, but you've got too much fluff up there that you got to get rid of first. Writing is an art form. Mm -hmm. it, it is. And uh, like any form of art, like an uh, art form, you know, uh, it's only as good as the artist. Mm -hmm. And if you consider your, if you consider words like an artist who paints, what you're doing instead of using colors on a palette, what you're doing is you're painting with words. And when you can blend those words in a way that interests the reader, but at the same time, uh, you know, you don't go down rabbit holes. Just imagine if you're painting a picture where you've got a, a hundred thousand different colors. And because you've got so much, the picture itself is jumbled and it doesn't make a lot of sense or mm -hmm. it just exhausts you trying to you get don't, to yeah. the point. <laughs> you don't know where to look. I've got ADD. I've got OCD and ADD. I'm like a fun alphabet soup up here in my head. But there is, there's been some paintings where I've walked up to it or murals that are up on a wall where there is just so much going on. I don't know where to start. It's like, where do you focus? What do you look for? Um, you got to think, what is the focus of the story? You know, is it is it just the setting? No. Is it just the characters? Actually, strangely, no. Is it the storyline itself? Yes. It's all three of those elements together. If you're fluffing the first two, you're not going to have enough room for the third element. Right. And, and I, we're not suggesting that you take shortcuts in your writing where you leave out essential parts or you make, uh, you know, in order to have a lower word count, your, your, your descriptive writing isn't as, again, the word crisp comes to mind. It's not, it, that's not what we're suggesting. Uh, quite the opposite, actually, uh, that to make your writing more active and vivid, 
you use powerful words in writing. You just don't use them to excess or you don't sprinkle unnecessary verbiage where none is needed. Uh, why, if your picture, you know, back in the old days when way back when we had rabbit ear antennas and we didn't have mm -hmm. cable and I can remember, you know, you just dated yourself, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can remember, you know, my parents and, you know, and myself, you know, trying to move the antenna mm -hmm. or, you know, try to get a more vivid picture. So once you get the, the picture right, why go back mm -hmm. and move it around some more? So, you know, exactly. You know, just kind of like an adjustment here or adjustment there will make the picture that much clearer. Right. Like you could you could see it, but if you go too far one way, you're going to get a fuzzy screen. If you get it in just the right spot, it will be crisp and clear and they can follow along beautifully because you are at that point showing and not telling. And you suggested, uh, you know, uh, you're writing short stories, CJ, which I wholeheartedly agree with. Uh, what has helped me a lot also is being part of a critique group team or partnership uh, where you're you're having not just your work critiqued, but you're critiquing other people's work because trust me, I've learned this the hard way. Uh, you can see things in other people's writings, both strengths mm -hmm. and weaknesses that you just can't see in your own. Yep. You could read the same passage that you wrote a hundred times and not pick up on something that somebody else who is not you can read that. And on the first time through, hey, you know, you left this word out or you got too many words. And so it's good practice to try to be part of some sort of critique group or team where where you can be part of the critiquing. And it really does help mm -hmm. your writing. Another trick to do, which is what I do, is I send it through Voice Dream Reader, which is an app. Um, you upload the PDF of the book and you follow along with it. Because that does two things for me. It makes sure that what I wrote is what's on that manuscript, number one. Number two, it lets me hear the flow and the rhythm of the story. Right. And if it's slow or if I'm going, oh, my gosh, come on, let's finish this. That's my own writing. You know, when you're hearing it read back to you, it's it can be painful if it's not done right. And so that's another good way of catching yourself. If you have a really good editor, I have mine and I've mentioned her before, love her dearly. She writes as if she's looking over my shoulder and she'll be like, you really don't need this. Cut it out. And she will tell me where to pull it out. And um, she's also taught, you know, a lot of the that. My that habit that I've talked about before. Um, yeah. So when you have not a yes person, whoever that may be reading it, whether it's a critique group or whether it's another author or whether it's a content or a copy editor that are reading it, you don't want a yes person. You want someone who will be liberal with that red pen because if not, your readers will nail you for it anyway. And, 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 be, careful. They didn't. and be careful using programs that are AI, even, even mm -hmm. Grammarly others, they all use it, they're all using AI. It's just to the degree of how much, and they'll often add words mm -hmm. when you don't want those, or they'll they'll make suggestions uh, that change the 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 intent or the thrust of their your your dialogue, your sentence, your words, uh, and it's really not what you want. So, you know, you for can still reasons, retain creative license, right? 
So be careful about that because if they're adding content that you really don't think you need, but you know, structurally from a grammatical standpoint, yeah, that's what you should do, but it still doesn't say what you wanted to say or doesn't have the kind of flavor or thrust that you wanted it. So be careful in just taking what AI says, carte blanche, particularly since we're talking today about, you know, extracurricular content and words. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, so, you know, challenge yourself, go outside your own box, see what you can do. Uh, so next week, gentle reminder that we will not have book world. There's no book world next week. We'll be back on the 13th with Patrick Seaman, whose genre is fractional CXO. Come to listen to find out exactly what that is. And he's a futurist as far as his genre as well. So it's something you're not going to want to miss because I myself am kind of curious. I kind of have an idea what it is because we've talked to him. But had I not, I wouldn't have any clue what that is either. So make sure to come back on the 13th. Again, there will be no book world next week. In the meantime, challenge yourself. Go outside of your own comfort zone. You don't learn anything by sailing on smooth seas. Challenge yourself to go outside of what you normally do and write a short story. Just, just write it. Whether you choose to enter it into anything or not, just write it. And then read your own story back afterwards and see what you can cut out of there. See what other substance you can add to it. It's a challenge and it's fun. In the meantime, guys, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Bye. Bye.